0: Hey, it's Chris, the Supply Chain Doctor and host of Supply Chain is Boring, bringing insight into the history of supply chain management and exposing you to some of the industry's thought leaders and driving forces. Several episodes back, we interviewed Ken Ackerman, one of the founders of what is now known as the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals. During the interview, he mentioned doing a similar interview with a professor from the University of South Florida. After a bit of research, I found Dr. Jim Stock, co-director of the Monica Wooden Center for Supply Chain Management and Sustainability at the Muma College of Business at USF. In the part one interview, we introduced Dr. Jim Stock and discussed his career. In this part two interview, we drilled deeper into his project to capture thoughts from some of the great industry leaders. Enjoy. Let me go back a couple uh, of who, who wrote the history of management. Who was that interview with, but no, I, that's okay. If we don't remember, but I didn't have him on my list of names, Dan Wren. Dan Renn. Yeah. been the you.
1: first one at the top of the list. Yeah. Dan Wren, uh, who's still, he's now retired at Oklahoma, but I think he's the curator of the bass collection, which uh, he's done a fabulous job amassing some of the early books. Cause a lot of these early books, are not available electronically. And up until probably the 40s, most all of the uh, uh, significant contributions in a field were in books, not in articles, because there weren't that many uh, journals. Uh, Economics has the longest. Marketing journals didn't start until the late 30s. Logistics journals, not until about 1970. Uh, And so where did stuff come from? Well, it came from books. And uh, those are not available. So I I've, I've, I've followed my mentor, Bud Lalonde. He amassed a huge collection of books I have as well. And so uh, I have some of the early, earliest books of when logistics was first taught in the early 1900s. They used books. But uh, students complain about boring books these days. You haven't had boring books until you've read some of these early ones, which were mostly statistics and the economics kinds of things. I have those, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Again, I, I always liked history, even as an undergrad, a science major, I took a lot of history courses. But uh, to read a book like, you're old enough to remember when management was taught, basically scientific management was the emphasis sure. in management courses.
0: Yeah, Frederick and Taylor. All,
1: yeah, things. and all that is based upon Frederick Taylor, scientific management, shop management, which were books. In 1913 to 15, well, I've read both of those books, and you know, obviously, technology was much different, society was much different, and so forth. But the genius of these, Frederick Taylor, when you read his scientific management book, so much of it applies in in uh, lean and mean supply chain management, if you will, you know, doing more with less. Henry Ford discovered. Uh, uh, scientific management in his factories. He was a big advocate of uh, Frederick Taylor. But students today, uh, we don't teach scientific management anymore. We teach more leadership, other kinds of things. And I always ask my students, how many have you ever heard of Frederick Taylor? Uh, I don't get many, unless they're older students. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate, because while things have changed, concepts and principles, don't change as much, and uh, you can get some great ideas from writers of the past who uh, published books, sometimes articles. Uh, you know about the forties, fifties, sixties, and you can say, you know, they didn't have the the capability to do this, or this was not an issue for them, but now it is, and no one's looked at that, and so. It becomes a curse for me in, in some regards because uh, I get more ideas to do research on. And I don't have time for all the ones I come up with anyway, so I share those with other people. So here's a, here's a topic for you to look at. might be of interest to you.
0: One of my, my favorite books, it's really not academic, it's more pop culture, but uh, Cheaper by the Dozen by uh, Frank Gilbreth, or actually his daughter, just talks about the life of an industrial engineering father or an industrial engineer who was also a father and had to manage a family of twelve people. So, and just the processes and procedures and rules that he had in place. It was fun. It's a good book. Yeah,
1: you. I think you can learn from lots of books. I loved. I love the Dilbert principle book because <laughs> he, as he said in some of his interviews, all the topics he presents in Dilbert come from readers. He invents very few of them. Uh, I love the fact that he always portrays marketing people as. Uh, people in, in devil costume with pitchforks, because it's so true.
0: What do they say? The difference in sales and marketing is sales, you're lying to one person, marketing, you're lying to the world. So and I, I shouldn't be so harsh, but
1: you have to have humor.
0: Sure. You had uh, mentioned another name, Jim, uh, Lambert, who, who is Lambert? I'm not sure.
1: Doug Lambert was a, uh, a cohort of mine, graduated actually the same year from Ohio State. He's now retired. He retired from Ohio State almost two years ago now. He was an accountant in his training. And uh, he produced the first dissertation and then uh, mini book on uh, inventory carrying costs. Prior to him doing that, you know, people used estimates and or more likely guesstimates of inventory carrying costs. They were averages, but who's an average company? And if you guessed wrong, you could make some very bad decisions that would impact your uh, financial statements if you had too much or too little inventory. certainly had customer service implications as well. And so uh, he did a lot of work in that area. Also was uh, heavily involved in bringing together uh, companies and academics uh, to do research that was applied and of interest to uh, businesses to uh, do better jobs with their customers. So uh, he's a very prolific uh, writer. He co-authored logistics books with me. He's done a lot, but again, he's retired. I'll have to interview him at some point, and uh, hopefully I get to them before they decease. It's been interesting. A lot of these folks have said, Jim, are, th- are you going to interview yourself? I said, well, that would be boring.
0: Uh, (laughs) It's great for my show, by the way.
1: (laughs) But I may do that in another year because, again, I've got the template. Each of the interviews begins with a historical overview of the person's bio and vita, and then it goes through the developmental periods of their lives from K through 12, through college, their work experience, what turned them on, uh, military experience, Family issues, etc., and then gets into their career and uh, what got them interested in doing certain things, or why they emphasize doctoral students over program development, or any of these things, which uh, you typically only get in casual conversations, maybe at a cocktail party or somewhere. Uh, but they wouldn't be written down; no one else would know about them. So. I, I like to think that the, these videos are like Paul Harvey, the rest of the story that uh, he used to do. And um, this provides some of the rest of the story for people who might be interested in the discipline to get a more richer perspective of how the discipline developed and who developed it and how they influenced that development. So that you, know, you, like, it, you should build on history and not ignore it. So, for example, when I read academic journals, it's rare to find a publication before nineteen eighty and so, I always pose this rhetorical question to myself: does that mean nothing was ever developed prior to nineteen eighty that was significant, and you know maybe it wasn't it couldn't be applied as it would be today, given our uh, sophistication with uh, data analytics and all the other stuff that we have but Principles, concepts, I think back to a book I read years ago, I don't even remember the title anymore, but uh, it looked at a grocery store and it, it used the analogy of the circulatory system in the body. And I read it because I had the science background, biology and chemistry. And I said, wow, he's using this analogy and work picture of the circulatory system in the body for showing how people would move through a grocery store. Well, that was long before people started looking at flow patterns in stores Mm -hmm. and how aisles should be set up and so forth. I don't think the book sold very well, but it was a a concept before its time. It probably took a couple of decades before other people recognized it, maybe never even saw his book. They reinvented the wheel, that someone else had invented, but they just weren't aware of it. So I think there's a lot of reinvention of wheels that takes place today because we don't really know what took place in the past. Because a lot of this is not electronic, uh, we don't have access to it. And so uh, uh, there's very few places in the United States. Ohio State is one because they have all of these early books. They have all of these early articles. And so when I was in the program, I could walk across the street to the library and actually pick this book up and look at it. We can still get some of those from interlibrary loan, which works very well, but you have to know the existence of the book, which uh, if it's not cited any place uh, or if it's not involved in a Google or Bing type of search online, you're never going to be aware of it. So I've accumulated a number of books. I'm afraid to donate them to my library because they're trying to get rid of hard copies. Books, yeah. And I don't want... Some of these books, uh, like Frederick Taylor's Scientific Management, sold in a, a bag of books for five bucks. So uh, I have to decide what, uh, what is going to happen because I've got quite a few now. And I still buy them off of eBay and, and other things. Uh, people are getting rid of books, probably from deceased or retired professors <laughs> that had them and, and wanted to get rid of them in any event.
0: Well, You seem to have a lot of passion for this, and this is the exact reason why I wanted to have you on as a guest. I appreciate that. Now, before we before we wrap, I always ask guests that you know their perspectives on careers. You kind of started down that path a little bit, but you know, if you could, if you were doing it today, knowing what you know, would you still get into supply chain management, or or what would you do? What types of jobs would you be looking for? Maybe you're maybe you can co- act like I'm a student, one of your students. Tell me what I should be studying, or what types of jobs I should be looking at. Obviously, I'm, Obviously, the first thing is to go to USF. I think that's the first rule.
1: Well, not necessarily. There's <laughs> lots of good places. Uh, we're, a real, we're a real cheap option, though. Our okay. tuition costs are much lower than Notre Dame.
0: And the weather's much nicer.
1: And the weather's much nicer. See, I don't have to go anywhere to retire. I can stay here. But I would tell students a number of things. One is, if you really want a program that's going to give you uh, a skill set, And a bag of of skills to take with you. Uh, Supply chain management is one that will do that because it has a number of options available to you upon graduation. If you're an undergraduate student getting a undergraduate degree in supply chain management, you can go uh, and work for a major retailer because they all do logistics. You can go to work for a manufacturer because they do Lots of things in terms of procurement, distribution of finished goods, all logistics supply chain stuff. You can go to work for a third-party provider. We've got transportation companies, warehousing companies, software companies. You name it. You can go work in consulting. Usually those are master students, but undergraduates have done that and they've got some business experience. And most of the banks have consulting arms that do logistics supply chain consulting. Uh, Mm -hmm. As I said, we place... Students with Citibank, for example, located in Orlando, uh, the group in Orlando. But there's certainly others. It, and we interview all the students that come into our programs. say, are you willing to move when you graduate? Because one of the downsides of Tampa is that a majority of graduates across the university stay within 200 miles of Tampa, which is good for businesses because uh, you've got an oversupply of quality labor. And so salaries are lower here in Florida. Also not having an income tax for the state is helping, but your salaries are lower. Uh, so are you willing to go to Rochester, New York? Are you willing to go to Indianapolis? So there's all those, I think I was talking about 3PLs. Uh, yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Cons- and
1: Consulting firms. Consulting
0: so. in the banks. Uh, the banks was interesting to me. I didn't yeah, know that.
1: There's it's- banks that uh,
0: uh,
1: have it as well. And consulting companies. And one of the interesting things is uh, a lot of people have an interest in international marketing. Many of these companies have international activities. And so you can get involved in the international side of a business very quickly. And so, uh, but you have to be willing to go every, anywhere because these companies can be California, they can be Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, and they can be in Florida. But sometimes they are in places I uh, didn't particularly like. South Bend weather—that's where Notre Dame is. So uh, you go there, and you suffer through the winters. It's a good experience. You can always move because these companies have operations in lots of places, and you can get internal transfers into different areas. And because supply chain is so broad, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, start out with a general, go into. Amazon, for example, and and start working with a team of people in one of their distribution centers, you know, you can do that. And then you can move up to uh, being in charge of an entire distribution center. And then you can move into the procurement side of the business. And so there's lots of different paths you can take. And if you have ultimate desires to be uh, senior executive, CEOs, COOs, presidents of companies, There's no better activity than supply chain management because you're managing a variety of tasks from day one. And that's what CEOs do. They manage a variety of tasks. that cut across other areas, of course, but supply chain management puts you in that uh, kind of mindset of managing multiple tasks and responsibilities. And uh, a lot of people we see, if you look at the CEOs of major corporations, um, you know, the Walmarts, the Goodyears, the world, other companies, they have supply chain backgrounds. That was not the case years ago, but it is the case now. And of course, uh, uh, if you're a woman, fabulous opportunities, uh, because uh, as I said, most of the gradu- most of our graduates are now women, 55% or so of the students in the program now are female. And a lot of places uh, still have uh, an emphasis on hiring uh, females and minorities. And so uh, they get better starting salaries and more job offers. And so we're happy to uh, subscribe to that. Uh, It's also a great place for veterans. We have a lot of veterans that come into the program because they're structured, they're disciplined, and they know what hard work is. And so they do very well in the program and get some great jobs when they graduate. Uh, and then there's, uh, as, as you were in our society today, there's lots of emphasis on hiring veterans. So uh, that uh, works out. And if they come back for a master's, you know, we have uh, the master's program which just started. You know, a student can go through undergraduate master's if they wish, or ours is more geared towards people who have worked maybe in non-logistics or supply chain areas but if said you know i'm in accounting or i'm in finance or something else but i'd like to get in supply chain but i don't have any training you know certainly you get certification to apex and cscmp and SOLE and other organizations that offer uh, accreditation kinds of certifications but you know they can also go back and Companies or universities have flexible programs. Michigan State has a totally online program that uh, people can do so they don't have to leave their jobs. Uh, We have sort of a hybrid system where uh, people who are working for a company come in for uh, a couple of days, uh, which is full-time, eight hours for a couple, two or three days, and then everything else is online, back at their jobs. And we sometimes, and we haven't started this, but we will if the company is large enough and has enough people, we'll go to them. So they don't have to leave their business to get the training. And we do certification. They don't have to get a master's degree necessarily. We can give them certification. We'll prepare them. You know, We give certificates, but it also prepares them if they want to be APEX certified or one of the other uh, organizations that offers uh, certification. So we've got lots of options for people who want to know more about supply chain management. We get lots of transfer students out of accounting and finance and say, yeah, I don't want to work for a bank uh, and do bank banking kind of thing. Or I don't want to be an accountant. It's not as interesting as I thought it was going to be. But those analytical skill sets are very important in logistics supply chain management. And so uh, we even, as we... Uh, uh, talk to applicants that are from other areas. We say, are you analytically inclined? Do you like analytics? Because supply chain management has a lot of analytics involved. So uh, lots of options. That's going to grow. I think during the Great Recession and even during uh, COVID-19, which we're still in, every job area has probably took hits, but I think supply chain management has taken less. In some industries, you figure Amazon and uh, Walmart, Target, they've hired more people. And most of them have been in supply chain management areas where you've had declines or in, uh, you know, because of so many business closures, you don't need as many people in transportation or warehousing. Because, uh, uh, well, there's a lot of restaurants and service organizations. The air transport business, certainly uh, cruise lines and entertainment kinds of businesses uh, have cut back. They don't need as many people, and therefore, they don't need as many supplies, which is what supply chain management provides them. Uh, so we haven't seen growth, in, or we've seen stagnation primarily in those areas for supply chain people. But in all the other areas, yeah, people still need products. People still need toilet paper on the shelves in grocery stores and mass merchandisers. Somebody's got to get it there, and uh, procurement, which is an area of some of our students go into, is very important because where do you get this stuff? And we're seeing significant changes taking place. Saying maybe we don't want it to come from China or Southeast Asia. It's a long ways from there. Takes a while to get here, and so uh, do we want to. source locally, you know, we saw with the pandemic, if you wanted uh, uh, certain pharmaceuticals or uh, equipment uh, for uh, uh, people who were first responders and nurses and those kind of doctors and so forth, you couldn't get those here. And it was a worldwide issue. So everybody wanted this stuff. And uh, you've seen all the problems that are associated with sourcing from uh, places far away and sometimes the quality is not there. So uh, a lot of companies are going to be reassessing what they do in terms of where they procure and they'll be near sourcing or near shoring, getting things closer. And so you have to look at what are closer places. Central and South America uh, are closer. Europe's closer than Asia. So you start looking at, or how about the U.S.? So I think we're gonna see a lot of manufacturing come back to the US, particularly in the pharmaceutical area and medical supplies and equipment. And that's gonna involve certainly chemists and doctors and scientists and so forth. But it's also gonna require people to do marketing, people do logistics and supply chain management, all those other areas. And so uh, I think we're gonna see a continued boom generally, and of course when you look at the the trade press kind of things, one of the top careers for women is supply chain management. They recognize that uh, there's great opportunities for women in supply chain management. So there's no barriers to minorities and women doing well in, in logistics supply chain management. And I think that's an enticement to people. So if you want lots of challenges every day, Supply chain logistics are great areas to be in. You don't have to, you know, you may go in and decide, wow, I really love warehousing. So I'm going to do same warehousing. Well, you can be creative and, and uh, entrepreneurial in warehousing as well as you can if you're taking a broad brush perspective because you've got things to look at in terms of technology improvements, How you, what kind of carousels and uh, automated equipment do you want, how you're going to construct warehouses so they're energy efficient. What can you do in terms of handling product returns? Do you have to have separate facilities or can you do those in the same facilities where you're shipping out new products? So there's constant challenges that you're gonna have even if you stay within one particular area. Transportation, what about autonomous vehicles? Uh, Electric vehicles, uh, uh, natural gas vehicles, uh, so on and so forth. And again, you look at all the different stuff with with human resources that take place in terms of onboarding and training of people. So uh, supply chain is so broad, it's tough to get bored when you can have so many different things you can do.
0: Uh, well, I think I you've proven me way. wrong, sir. Yes, yeah. there is so much to do. Well, I appreciate your time again, Jim.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like Robert Frost in his famous poem, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening, his last two sentences of the poem is, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. He, he printed it twice. That's what I feel like. I've got so much I want to do, that I'm going to sleep long before I finish everything. I'm going sure. to, I'm going to, that folder will be behind when I'm deceased. Sure. Someone else can use them.
0: This concludes part two of the interview with Dr. Jim Stock. Check out the show notes for a link to his interviews with Bud Lalonde, Jim Haskett, Tom Metzer. Don Bowersox, John Langley, and others. Supply Chain is Boring is part of the Supply Chain Now Network. We highlight historical events, companies, and people in supply chain management, and create a picture of where the industry is headed. Interested in learning more about supply chain technology startups, mergers, acquisitions, and how companies evolve? Take a listen to Tequila Sunrise, crafted by Greg White. Or check out This Week in Business History with Supply Chain Now's own Scott Luton to learn more about everyday things you may take for granted and pick up short stories you can use as general conversation starters. The Logistics with a Purpose series puts a spotlight on neat and interesting organizations who are working toward a greater cause. If you're interested in logistics, freight, and transportation, take a listen to the Logistics and Beyond series with the Adapt and Thrive Mindset Sherpa, Jamin Alvarez. And check out the newest program, Tech Talk, hosted by industry veteran and Atlanta's own, Corinne Bursa. Bursa will discuss all things digital supply chain. If interested in sponsoring this show or others on Supply Chain Now, send a note to chris at supplychainnow.com. And remember, supply chain is boring. I appreciate you contributing. I, I'm i glad to be oh, part sorry of Sorry it
1: took longer you. than you anticipated.
0: No, that's great. I'm I'm glad I can maybe break it up into two sections or or whatever it takes, so I'm glad to be part of your network. If anything I can try to ever do for you, let me know, but once I get well, these do published. Do what the
1: folks do at the TV station. I talk to them for 30 minutes and they put 10 seconds on.
0: Ah, No, this will be great. This will be, this will be everything. It won't be, won't be much shorter. I'll cut out six minutes for the, the delivery, but I think that was neat. A delivery... We're talking supply chain management. You were trying to negotiate the final mile delivery.
1: Last mile delivery, use of drones. You know, drones are significant uh, in terms of uh, um, when you have disasters. They don't need roads. Yeah. They don't need rail lines. They don't need airports. They just fly in. They have drones that will carry 1,000, 2,000 pounds. So, uh, incur lots of stuff.